Prologue. We know the grief journey is different for everyone. At its core, the impact is in direct relation to how close the loss was and how connected you were to the person now absent. In this series of essays, we present those written on the most difficult days, those that touch the most difficult aspects of living a new life with an overwhelming loss. During my worst days, I found comfort in the stories of others who told their stories of loss, those grappling with the same issues I was. That sharing of grief never took the horrible sting and pain of the moment away, but it provided a strange comfort, a welcome comfort. It is our prayer that these essays will bring you comfort in your grief journey. Visit our website, Facing Grief, the Essays, at www.essaysongrief.org to find the entire collection of 166 essays, as well as additional writings that were also part of the ongoing grief journey. Chapter 2. The Last Hours. The Worst of Times. From Volume 1, The First 30 Days, written Thursday, August 29th, 2019, Day 17, Afternoon, Number 1. Grief, I'm finding, centers around a point in time. At least for me, it does. That point, for me, was the end. I use the fortunate word loosely because it wasn't fortunate at all, at least in my current state of thinking, but fortunate that we did see it coming. It is hard for me to imagine the sudden deaths that occur, accidents, unexpected health issues, or other tragedies. In my case, there was an order to it. In that order, I had a weird peace, although I am profoundly devastated in my current state. We were contending, although seemingly knowing the trajectory was down. One element got added to those final hours was my wife's closest girlfriend of her youth, the person she had spent so much time at the beginning of her life and had that lifelong connection. She was able to be with us for those final hours. That's something I only partially had a hand in. She had wanted to come a week earlier and I held her off to wait. Then when we were in the hospital again, something told me to tell her to come. They arrived on a Sunday afternoon. My wife spent two hours with her while her friend's husband took me out to eat. Those were uncomfortable moments for me, being away from her. But those two hours with her dear friend gave me joy and continues to be a gift to me, even though I was not part of the conversation. As far as conversations went, she wasn't conversational at all. I think her coping had taken away from her. I understood. That meant the time with her friend was even more special. I knew it cost her a lot of energy to be engaging for that long. When they left on Sunday around 6 p.m., my wife was restless, trying to be settled. That was a constant theme. They gave her what they gave her, always trying to deal with the immediate issue. I tried to rest, but could not as long as she was in distress. Passing out at times for 15 minutes or so until she called the nurse for something or another. Those were painful moments. In grief, we seem to be drawn back to those moments. They hold us for some reason. I believe it's because we want to hold on to the person any way we can, even if it is a painful moment. It is a moment with them. I was rubbing her legs because she loved that, and I thought it would counteract the current discomfort. 
I cry right now as I'm writing these words. I remember while I was rubbing her to drink in those moments, as awful as they were, because she was still with me. And even if I could not speak to her conversationally, I was sending my love through the only way I could reach her. It gave me a strange comfort, and today it still does as well. It was 2.45 at night when the nurse's efforts, along with the on-call doctor, began to get to me. I called the palliative on-call doctor to have them weigh in on the situation. In my call, my frustration took over and I asked the doctor, is this it or are we on the way to it? The doctor said this was it. I asked whether I should call my son and the doctor said I should. So I made three calls to my son, my wife's friend, and to my wife's brother. He was out of town and not able to be with us as he was with their 94-year-old mother who could not travel. By the time they all got there, looking back, it was another six hours that we stood watch. I rubbed her legs, hugged her. I know she knew that there was no question that I loved her. I just didn't want her to go. But her breathing was so labored, I prayed that God would hear our prayers for her peace to come. Each breath was like a knife in my heart. No wonder it is so broken. And then at 10 minutes to 10 a.m., she paused in her breathing, took two small breaths, which were her last. Now she was at peace. Her spirit was now with God. As Jesus said during his ministry, when faced with death, he would say, they're just sleeping. And so was my dear sweet Joanne, sleeping at last. It was a staggering, overwhelming, catastrophic, gut-wrenching, overpowering moment her journey had ended. Mine, however, would continue. I am drawn back to this moment because for me it settles some things and makes some statements, many of which I do not want to accept. When my grief sessions come, this moment continues to be at the core of them. She is settled. She is not in pain. She is awaiting the resurrection. God taught her about that through the Bible. It is finished. But then for me, I'm alone. She's no longer here with me to be my partner. And I love her so much. I cannot comprehend it going on in any credible way without her. I miss her presence so much. She is not here, but I am. It hurts. It just hurts. And in my grief, those final hours will be the foundation for my future a future I do not want nor care about right now, a future that will come in its own way and in its own time.